Welcome to a new Neon Jazz interview with a great Kansas City trumpeter, Clint Ashlock. During the course of this interview, we talk about his roots, where he's gigging at these days, and how fortunate he is to be a jazz musician, along with many, many more insights. Dig it. Hey, Joe. Hey, Clint. How you doing? Oh, pretty good, man. Hopefully better now. <laughs> yeah, right on, man. You, you ready to go? Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. I got to tell you, when I was doing research on the web, you have to be one of the very few people and musicians out there that I just don't have any real backdrop. So this is going to be interesting to find out who you are and kind of dig into things. Sure. Um, first of all, where were you born and raised? Uh, right here in Overland Park. Okay. Um, Park, so when did you first start playing an instrument? Well, I mean, I did the I did the uh, the school band thing, you know, from fifth grade to throughout high school and all that stuff. Um, and uh, didn't really, I mean, I was I was okay at it, you know. Naturally, I didn't really put in a lot of work, but really got serious about it when I when I went to college. Gotcha. So, talk to me about your family and how they infused you with the desire to play music. <clears throat> well, my my parents both the radio, you know, I mean, more than anything, and, um, but listen to a lot of music when I was a kid, I mean, my dad had a lot of great records, Stevie Wonder, and, and uh, some some of the CTI jazz stuff, so I kind of got into, uh, got into the music through, through blues and through soul music, and, uh, and kind of, you know, found out jazz on my own, but, uh, you know, I mean, we, we definitely didn't listen to terrible music at our house, which was a good thing. Cool. So, talk to me about the bands and projects you've been involved with over the years. Over the years? Um, yes. Well, I mean, when I, when I first came back to Kansas City, I was the jazz grad assistant to Bobby um, for two and a half years or so. And uh, did that deal and then, you know, just had my own groups and, and uh, played in other people's groups. And Jerry Sayer kind of got me, um, you know, my first... I don't know if you call it study work, playing in big bands and, and different things. And um, then uh, just kind of communing with the UMKC guys that we all went to school together. And I mean, you you know how big the, the, the that's played into the scene here in Kansas City with the younger musicians. And, um, you know, just kind of communed and worked on stuff and put together groups and in that business. And then so recently, I mean, I guess not so recently, though. You know, whether it's been five years ago, six years ago, I started my own big band, um, New Jazz Order, and, uh, uh, you know, I've been playing up at Arlings every Tuesday night, pretty much every week for the last, gosh, I, I, don't, I can't think of it off the top of my head, it's five or six years now. Um, so there's the Matt, um, the music record, and then the, Recently playing with the Lifer Brothers, um, with that group, um, doing a lot of playing with uh, Gerald Dunn and the Chad's Disciples. I play in Bobby's uh, 18th and Vine, <laughs> the city, all Star. I don't know what the hell the name of that thing is, but the, you know, the 18th and Vine big band. Um, and really, man, just anything that I, I, I can, uh, I can get involved in. I mean, I, I'll play with acts that come through. I play with the OJs and Aretha Franklin and Temptations and stuff like that. Very cool. You're a busy guy. Try to be, yeah. <laughs> so what was it like to make the uh, your latest CD with Bobby Watson? 
the, the big issue with him? Yes. Oh, man, I mean, it, uh, it was great. You know, I, I did uh, all the arrangements and everything, so I rehearsed the band. Um, and obviously, we, you know, we played all that stuff up at Harlings every week and, and whatever. Um, we went in the studio and laid it down, and, and really, Bobby's deal, he just came in and, and laid down a couple solos. But, uh, <clears throat> um, I mean, his mentorship and his friendship and... and you know, his teaching uh, was definitely with me the whole way. I mean, the guy's amazing. You know, he's a mentor to all of us here. He's uh, hung out with him and been fortunate enough to learn from him. Absolutely. So what other albums have you been a part of? Um, I mean, some stuff off and on. I uh, uh, was a percussionist and singer um, named Gary Cardilli that uh, had a band of New Mexico musicians and some guys in the Kansas City, uh, Jack Lightfoot. So I wrote some arrangements for Gary. That was my first thing. Um, wrote a couple big band arrangements for him to sing on for a record and then recorded with uh, just some different guys, Gary Dimbo and, and, and uh, um, I mean, most recently, I guess, besides my band, I recorded... Uh, a couple tracks with Megan Birdsall on one of her self-release things. And, um, and then uh, Ryan Heinlein, who has the group, the Project H, I've been playing with, with that group for quite a while. We just released a, a record last year. Very cool. So you were talking about all the venues you perform in, and you said specifically Harlings. What's your favorite place to play in? <laughs> Whatever I'm happy, I think. Um, you know, I mean... The, Really, it's kind of like, well, what's your favorite restaurant? You know, there's there's so many different places in town, and they all have their, uh, all have their really neat uh, aspects. I mean, there's Take Five out in Leewood, and the owners are just so awesome out there, Lori and Doug, that you can't help but just have, like, the best time possible when you play out there and go listen. I mean, there's the Blue Room, which is, which is great because it's such a, you know, it's a great stage, and there's a sound system. And, um, I mean, people go there specifically to see jazz, but, I mean, there's a foundation, which is a totally different thing. Uh, and the Harlings, I mean, the Harlings is sort of like, unfortunately, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like a second or third home for me because I'm up there so much, and, you know, warts and all. I mean, there's holes in the ceiling, and the that porch is dangerous, and <laughs> I think it smells, but but uh, it has its own midtown kind of charm to it too. So I can't answer that question, obviously. <laughs> I love Harlings. Yeah, it's a great place. Yeah, it's a hard question, but I wanted to put it out there. Um, you know, the Kansas City scene's thriving pretty well these days. You were talking about working with Megan and Ryan, and, you know, there's a lot of names out there making great music these days. What's your interpretation of the KC jazz scene? Man, it is on the uptick, for sure. Um, you know, with newer clubs that have been opening up, and, and especially, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really cool place because it's a small scene. Everybody knows each other. They're established people, you know, like, I mean, Dan Kessler and Bob Bowman, and, uh, you know, these guys that have been doing it for a long time, and are still at the very top of, of their game and 
which sounds great anywhere, not just in Kansas City, but then there's all these younger guys that are, you know, working together and, and listening to music together and calling each other and hanging out. And, uh, you know, and then people will move here. There's a great new bass player in town named Carl McComas Reichel, who's just a, a monster bass player. Uh, Matt Otto, of course, moved here, whatever it was, a couple of years ago. Um, and more and more people. I, I, I've got a gig at Take 5 on the 10th with uh, this girl, Allie Burke, who's going to Berkeley next year. She's 19. She's been playing in my band for about a year, and she's just freaking chilling. I mean, she sings and she writes and she plays saxophone like, you know, Kenny Garrett. If Matt Chop was here, you know, he was in high school. There's just always seems to be this influx of younger musicians that are they're adding to the to the strength of the scene um, that are making the older musicians, you know, you know, stay on top of their business and, and, and keep growing. And it's just it's a really amazing communal uh, society of musicians, and, and everybody that's open to it improves dramatically just by you know, being around each other. I mean, Herman Mahari is probably one of the best young jazz musicians in, in the whole country. And, you know, you can catch him at the Majestic every week. I mean, that's that's pretty awesome, you know. Sounds like a utopia. Well, I mean, it's not without its warts. But, well, uh, but it sounds good. This is what I hear from a lot of musicians. There's a really good vibe going on, and that's, that's the way it should be. Yeah, man. I mean, Kansas City is... is uh, you know, for a, for a city that's always talked about, you know, in jazz circles, um, and definitely has gotten its due over the years, it's actually probably a little underrated right now as far as, you know, across the nation, at least from people that I talk to. Like, not a whole lot of people are, are talking about the, the young scene in Kansas City, but, I mean, besides, you know, New York, I mean, I would put the the scene here up against anything, really. And I mean, I've been in, been to different towns and played there and listened there. And, you know, I mean, Steve Lambert and Matt Otto and Herman Mahari and, and Ben Leifer are going to be top musicians wherever they go. Yeah, absolutely. So talking about top shelf musicians, who are some of your jazz heroes? Oh, man, Freddie Hubbard, Woody Shaw, John Coltrane, uh... I mean, I've been listening to a lot of Clark Terry and Chet Baker lately. Um, and then, really, I mean, just in the last couple of years, I've been kind of slow to it, but listening to and just devouring new records. Jaleel Shaw's new record is beautiful. Uh, Dave Douglas's, you know, stuff has always been great. Logan Richardson, Ambrose Hacking Misery, Walter Smith, I mean... <laughs> I mean, we could sit here all day, man. Talk about. I mean, I have. I have uh, oh, yeah. Everyone almost is an inspiration to me, and, and and then the number one guy, of course, is Bobby Watson. I mean, that's 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 my main guy. Right on. So, talk to me about your life. What are you the most proud of with your music? Hmm. Um. The next thing, I guess, you know, whatever's coming up tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, I mean, 
you know, just the fact that uh, that that it, it just keeps getting better, and that I'm continually motivated every day to, to work and and get better and and learn new things and and play with new people and and just bring whatever. I mean, it's a blessing to be able to bring whatever you've been blessed with, you know, creatively or personally, um, to other people through such a such an expressive music like jazz. I mean, and I mean, there's, there's not many other professions that you can do that. So I think just the fact that that this is my career is the uh, is the greatest uh, accomplishment I could come up with. And, and the good thing about that is that you know. That accomplishment won't go away because it's it's every single day, you know. Right. Very cool. So speak- the uh, the KCJO thing has been pretty cool. I mean, being able to do that, sure. Um, the artistic director, you know, side of that, I I didn't really see that one coming. Right. But uh, but that's been pretty cool to, to lead that band of great musicians in front of a thousand people at Hellsburg Hall. I mean, for the, that's, that's not a bad deal either. <laughs> that's a nice deal. <laughs> so, speaking of the next thing, what are some of your short and long-term plans? Um, I've, got a, I've got a group that we haven't even had our first rehearsal yet, but uh, um, starting with uh, I mean, guys that I consider to be the best players in town, at least among them, uh, a group called Forward. It's me and Michael Schultz on... Alto, Brian Lee on drums, Tom McComas Reichel on bass, and Andrew Lett on piano. And we're going to, you know, really get after it and write for that. So I'm excited about uh, seeing that thing shape up. Um, <clears throat> you know, the, on, on a completely different level of, uh, of style and, and everything else, this, uh, you know, the Kansas City Jazz Orchestra thing is, is definitely something that takes a lot of my um, attention, uh, so that's exciting. Um, to see, see what comes of that, and in the long term, man, I mean, I just want to, I just want to keep making music that, uh, that that keeps getting better and, and more clear. I mean, always striving for clarity um, of ideas and composition and playing. And ultimately, I mean, the, the whole, the, the long-term goal is just to make as many people feel good about themselves as possible to come out and, and hear whatever group I'm playing and play. That's, I mean, that's the number one goal. If somebody can come out and hear me play and, and they feel better about themselves because they came out to, to listen to some music, I mean, that's, like, that's the ultimate goal. Right on. So if you could hop in a little jazz time machine and go back in time, who would be a, the one musician you would want to meet from any era and why? Huh. Um, well, it wouldn't be Beethoven because I heard he was a German, so I don't speak German, so I don't know if it'd be him. Um, man, uh, nobody's ever asked me that before. Um, I guess, I mean, I, I, I'd like to be, I would like to see what was going on in New York in like around 1939 or 40 when when Bird got there and, and, and they were like workshopping that music, you know, and, and, and creating the new language, you know, the, the new music that they ended up calling bebop. I mean, I think that that would be pretty, pretty, 
pretty insane to see because, you know, we don't, there's a recording band, so we don't really have any recordings of those formative years. Mm -hmm. I mean, to go to those Midlands Playhouse and the, and the different little clubs that they were, um, that they were playing at, I just think would be astonished just to hear, just to hear that, you know? Absolutely. So, yeah. New York in, in the early 40s to check out, you know, Dizzy and Bird. Right on. So, at this point in your life, is there anything that you would have done differently? Oh, no. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, I'm, I'm here because of what I've done so far, so. Cool. <laughs> There's really no other uh, option. Right. So, tell me what it was like to give out your autograph for the first time. Man, it hasn't happened that often, but every time it's weird. Um, I, I was in Shanghai. Uh, I was lucky enough to be part of the G-Week, uh, and the, the, it was at University of Northern Colorado for, forever. I mean, one of the giants in jazz education. You know, he 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 travels the world, and he put together um, about five of us from around the country to go to. Shanghai for their first ever, China's first ever jazz education festival this last November. And I mean, I'd never been to China before, so that was amazing. But then, you know, to take part in that first festival. So it was packed with these kids that were just totally into the music. And we sat at this table after the, you know, the, the, the clinician's concert and like signed autographs for an hour. And I mean, I was just like, you know, on, on, on shirts and on hats and on programs. And I find the guys like money. <laughs> you know, I, I'm nobody, man. What are you doing? So, so you would think that that would have desensitized me to it. But uh, no, it's weird. It's really weird. <laughs> so what was the last album you listened to before we talked today? Jaleel Shaw. Um, the, uh, the, all right. I've been listening to that thing like three times a day <laughs> Very cool. for, the last, uh, for the last however long it's been. Do you have that one? I don't. And I've heard, you're, the, you're the second person I've talked to and had an interview with where you've lauded this album. is amazing. I need to pick it up. Yeah, yeah, it's called The Soundtrack of Things to Come. Yeah, that's cool. That's and, very cool. Uh, and I mean, there's some tunes on that that are, like there's this tune on it called Faith. It's just... I mean, I think I've listened to that thing 300 times in the last two weeks. That's awesome. That's a good album. That's that's the key to it. Um, tell you what, as we kind of get towards the end of the interview here, I want to know who you are and the length of one tweet. Since we're in the digital age of brevity, <laughs> tell me who Clint is in one tweet. Um, well, I'm an editor, so let, let, let me let me think about it for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Huh. I overthink these things too much. So um, I'm a musician that's constantly trying to be better at what I do and constantly trying to bring joy to the people that take part in my music with me. That's an awesome tweet. Totally cool. You had 140 characters, I think. Yeah, I think you did. I think the bells are ringing. Hey, thanks for your time today. Hi, right, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players doing the jazz these days. And thanks to Clint for his time and insight into his craft. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. And until next time, enjoy the music, my friends. Music.
Neon Jazz.